Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Hello, everybody. We're back. Season has begun. Draft Site is back. College football started last week, NFL is starting tomorrow. We are here with your first draft site, 2015-2016 season podcast, and you are joined today by your host, Jared Belson, and the guru, the absolute best football mind you will find behind Ernie Adams of the Patriots, DJ Boyer. DJ, how are you doing today? All is well. College football has started. Again, we will have the NFL tomorrow, and then the rest will be here Sunday, 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 just like a great monster truck full. Just, I cannot wait. It's uh, The air just smells sweeter just thinking about it. All is right with the world. The flake gate is over, finally. Thank the well, I shouldn't say finally. That'll be going through the courts for probably another three years. But for the most part, all is well and good with the world. Yeah, I don't know if that's, that will ever be over. I hope it is, but after reading that, ESPN piece uh, goes pretty deep, goes pretty deep. So I, I love people to put it to rest, but I'm sure they won't. Couldn't agree more. And now, you know, living in an area where I'm around a lot of Eagle fans and, you know, growing up an Eagle fan myself, you know, now that all the Spygate stuff has started and I think it's just a way of Eagle fans trying to finally get a Super Bowl win. But I'd love to see them do it on the field one year and not through a technicality or you know, I, I just feel that there's going to be all kinds of accusations and things, not only about the Patriots, but now things like this are going to be so heavily scrutinized that it's, it's just getting to the point where it's just absolutely ridiculous and to the point where it, it's beyond comical. Um, I'm just hoping that we, we get some good action on the field and we can put this off-season of drama to rest. Yeah, I think we will. And uh, so far in college football, it's been... There's been a lot of drama, but mostly good drama because of the action on the field. What were your thoughts on the first week of college football? Very good week uh, thus far. Uh, basically, with all the teams that we had in the Fierce 40, all but one actually saw action. The only one being uh, the number 16 LSU Tigers, who unfortunately, due to weather, had their game with McNeese State actually canceled. So they'll, they're actually going to start with Mississippi State and Auburn right out of the gate, not that kind of that fluff game that we normally, one or two fluff games that we usually see LSU open with. Um, but, you know, the, the SEC kind of really showing its power once again, Vanderbilt being the only team to lose in the SEC. Uh, there, there was a lot of talk about Tennessee kind of rising to prominence and maybe things are, are, are kind of on the up and up there. And in the AP poll, you've got 10 teams from the SEC that are ranked. I believe we have that same number in our Fierce 40. There's just talent is just it's just spread out just so well. But there are a couple of other teams or conferences not not as good for say the Pac-12. We saw them kind of close the gap on the SEC last year. SEC by by far and away is still the the greatest conference in college football. I just think the SEC is or the Pac-12. Excuse me is now in the same league. I, I think you can kind of put them in the same echelon with the SEC still being the leader. But uh, there, there were a couple teams there that didn't fare so well. Of course, Stanford getting upset by Northwestern, probably the biggest upset we saw during week one. Uh, Big Ten, a couple of teams not uh, faring as well. Wisconsin not looking nearly as sharp as, as they needed to against Alabama, losing maybe their, their best player on defense, Michael Caputo, uh, is going to be out for an extended period of time, could be the season. Uh, Penn State just getting absolutely drilled by Temple with could have been the worst offensive line I've ever seen. Christian Hackenberg has to step up and make more plays, but it kind of looks like when they gave the Penn State offensive linemen jerseys to start the season, they gave them red carpets too because uh, it, it was just painful. I was actually cringing. It was hard to watch Christian Hackenberg out. He had to get hit uh, on about 70% of the snaps. Uh, I, I I hope that ice bath, bath afterward felt good because he definitely deserved it. He it, it was just really, again, painful to watch. But a number of very good games, good outcomes. Of course, we did have a Hail Mary already. BYU over Nebraska, the absolute stunned 
look and faces on, on the Nebraska on the sidelines, starting the Mark, uh, the Mike Riley era. That was very, uh, you know, a very good game. Good to see. But again, a cringeworthy moment. Taysom Hill with his third major injury within four years. He's been lost. Could have actually ended his college career there at BYU. And those teams were 30 and 31 in our uh, fierce 40 going into that game. So a very, very, uh, you know, just good outcomes. And it was good to see uh, college football back at its best this past weekend. DJ, looking back at your fierce 40, what kind of changes would you have loved to make if you could rewind it back a, a week? Uh, yeah, you, you would have to say uh, just how bad Penn State looked, having them ranked in the top 40. They, they did come in at number 37. We did update our, our Fierce 40 uh, this week, or actually today. The, the new rankings uh, were out. And, uh, you know, they will be uh, updated mo- most of the time Mondays and Tuesdays. We did have a Monday night game, which delayed it a little bit. We did see Ohio State. Uh, play Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech playing them hard. A lot of people uh, remember that Virginia Tech was the only team to actually beat Ohio State last year, but unfortunately Adolphus Washington landing on Michael Brewer on a follow-through, and Michael Brewer now has a broken collarbone. So that pretty much ended the rest of the game, and you got to remember Ohio State played without four stars that were suspended for that game, including Joey Bosa, who we have as the number one prospect uh, in the draft, and We'll have to see what kind of impact he has because he hasn't seen the field yet. But uh, a very good bet to be a, a top ten player, if not the number one player overall, if he does indeed declare this year. But now you got to look at Brendan Motley. He now becomes the new quarterback of Virginia Tech. Uh, Tech looking for a year where they rebound, and things are a little more wide open. Florida State's not going to be the runaway favorite. In fact, there's a lot of people that are picking Clemson to win that division. So uh, any other do-overs? I, I don't know if I really would make any. Right now, it's very early, but, you know, a lot of those top teams performed well. Alabama looked like them old, their old selves. Michigan State, a little bit of a hiccup, but, you know, they got it done. TCU didn't exactly roll over Minnesota, but, you know, Minnesota's not a an absolute taxi in week one. Uh, I think the biggest thing is a lot of people were just absolutely losing their minds that Oregon won 61 to 42 against Eastern Washington. Vernon Adams, the new quarterback facing his former team. But you got to remember, Eastern Washington always puts up points, and this is the team that 49 to 46 they beat Oregon State, who was ranked last year in the first the first week of the season. So it's not exactly a lightweight they were playing, and the fact that Eastern Washington put up 42 points not the end of the world, Duck fans. I think the Ducks could wind up on the losing end this week. However, facing Michigan State. Uh, was one of the more entertaining games last year. But really, again, it's not the end of the world. So much should not have been made, the fact that, that Oregon gave up 42 points. Yeah, there's a lot of good games coming up this week. The Oregon-Michigan State, the LSU-Mississippi State. I'm looking forward to that very much. Um, and then I'm just looking forward to seeing how some of these other teams do. I mean, you mentioned Tennessee. A lot of people had high hopes for them against Oklahoma. That will be a good matchup. But looking at the draft, D.J., you know, obviously we, we had to use this based on last year's data and how we projected. But now that the season started, and it's only week one, but what are some of the biggest changes that you see with the current mock draft that we have on draftsite.com? Uh, I would say as far as a big change, again, we do have to see Joey Bosa take the field. We do have him ranked as, as the number one player overall. But – uh, the biggest change might be, you know, people always look at quarterbacks, and there's a lot of people out there. You know, I've, I've been saying all along, Christian Hackenberg has absolutely all the tools you're looking for, but he's really got to get some help around him, but you can't blame it all on the supporting cast. He does have to make better decisions. He did make another very, very bad throw and inter- costly interception against Temple. So, you know, at some point he's really got to step up. You can't put it all on the system, a, a new coordinator or a new coach or – at some point, you just run out of excuses, and you know you've got to step up and, and kind of play above what's around you. So I think that maybe you know Christian Hackenberg being severely—I don't know if you'd say severely, but definitely not the first quarterback off the board. If he continues to throw up results like we've seen, that's something that would definitely have to be—I I would say—you have to rethink. Uh, Gunner Keel—that's the guy that. Uh, you know, especially with Zach last year, there there was a lot of discussion about Gunnar Keel and is he really that good? Well, 
came out guns a-blazing with it, had an excellent uh, first week. Uh, Gunnar Keel's the guy. I mean, you go back and look at the tape. He put up four touchdowns and a half against Ohio State last year. The first half, fortunately, was one of the two games where he was knocked out of the game last year. But I, I think he really has to work on his physique and getting more of an NFL body. I think Ohio State still would have won that game, but things could have been a lot more interesting if Gunnar Keel kind of hung in that game the entire time. So I think that uh, that's maybe he's the guy that kind of rises up and he becomes the new number one quarterback overall. Again, at about 210, 215, you'd like to see him get a little bit bigger, but I think that's something he can do. Uh, he's definitely got everything else you're looking for. You're, you're talking about a guy who, uh, again, I think can put up 3,500 uh, yards this season, at least 35 touchdowns, and be one of the, the people we look at as being one of the top picks if he does declare. Uh, Kendall Fuller, good cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Uh, we got to look at Ronnie Stanley and, and Notre Dame, and maybe they're back. I mean, they're, they're number 11 overall in our poll, but just an absolute butt-whooping they, uh, they gave uh, Texas, and, and there's so many good prospects on that team. Ronnie Stanley is a guy who I thought could have went top 10 overall had he declared last year as a draft-eligible uh, sophomore. Same could be said for Laramie Tunsil, now out of Miss Ole Miss, but he did uh, suffer an injury late in the season. There's been some eligibility issues and the, the legal problems surrounding him and his, his uh, stepfather, but that seems to have been cleared up, and we're talking about another guy that's just mammoth and looks to be playing on a different level than those around him. And, you know, Robert uh, Michi, who that a good kind of tweener from defensive end, defensive tackle. We saw him catch a 31-yard touchdown pass lining up as a receiver. Now you're talking about a guy that's a dual threat. And uh, he looked pretty good going down that sideline. So a lot of the, the top prospects that we saw or put at DraftSite.com near the top of our uh, list or people to look for, uh, they really performed. Spencer Drongo, another very good offensive tackle out of Baylor, looks like uh, another guy that is really just going to step up, perform, have a big year. Vernon Hargraves, the corner out of Florida, so many guys that we had ranked in the first round that really stepped up and showed in week one. Yeah, Kambichi is my sleeper for the number one pick this year, but obviously it's too early to tell. But his first week was definitely a good indication. I think his athleticism is, is going to be something that the teams look at and, um, and really want to take, just like they did a couple of years ago when uh, Jadavian Clowney won number one. Obviously, they're, different, they're definitely different animals. But uh, athleticism ends up trumping when it comes to the draft oftentimes. I think uh, Laramie Tunzel is an interesting prospect. It's tough to know what's going on with his situation, whether or not he'll be back and actually playing, and if he's playing well or if he's going to be missing some time. But uh, him at number two, that's the one really iffy piece that we have right now, right, DJ? I would say so, but again, uh, he, he's another player, him and Stanley. I think we're both top ten picks overall. Uh, had they, had they actually declared last year, uh, I think we're, we're going to see big things out of them this year. I, I think, uh, and for Tunzel, it was a little more about, uh, he, he suffered a, a, a late season knee injury, much like, uh, Laquan, Laquan Treadwell, who's, who's back after, um, his unfortunate injury that he suffered late in, in the Auburn game. And uh, he could be one of the top wide receivers we see taken. Could be a first-round pick. Uh, wide receivers, one that's definitely open. There's a lot of kind of tweeners between that first and second round, but nobody who's really stepped up and shown themselves as being far and away the number one guy. Uh, the guy that I really think has all the talent was Rashad Higgins out of Colorado State, but now with Garrett Grayson actually gone and them undergoing uh, having a new face there at the quarterback position, it, it might be a little bit harder for someone like that to step up and, and show themselves. He may actually have to come back for a senior year and really just kind of prove that this is a guy that is uh, really worthy of, of being in the discussion of being one of the first uh, wide receivers taken in this draft. Uh, and talking about the versatility, you've got Miles Jack, who was another guy that we've, we've seen play running back and, and score numerous touchdowns as well as being the second leading tackler on that Bruins squad last year behind only Eric Kendricks, who was a second, second round pick in the NFL draft. And, and you look at uh, Josh Rosen, brand new, uh, one of the best 
overall, not only quarterback prospects, but overall prospects last season, or going into this season, I should say, gets the call right out of the gate for the UCLA Bruins over uh, Jerry Neuheisel, the, the quarterback that many thought was going to start the season, and just, just lighting it up. So we, we, we seem to see it every year where we, we have that one freshman or that, that sophomore that really kind of steps up and just has monster numbers and gets in the Heisman discussion. And if uh, that continues at UCLA, probably have to put both of those those players in the discussion being, even though they're freshmen and a junior, and one that's two-way players. So I really, really want to look at UCLA, how they're going to be able to do after the uh, the Brett Hundley era, which has ended. And But again, he's a guy that started from his freshman year, three very successful seasons, and he gets to sit behind Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and hopefully become a productive NFL quarterback at one time. Well, speaking of some of the most productive players in the country, you – you uh, released your Heisman watch week one today, and on it you have Ezekiel Elliott at number one, Nick Chubb at number two, Javon Boykin at number three, Deshaun Watson at number four, Cody Kessler at number five. Now six through ten, and the honorable mention, I am going to leave out unless you want to talk about it because I want people to come to the site and check it out. Um, DJ, talk to me about how how you come up with the rankings after week one, given how difficult it is to really evaluate, you know, someone's season. Well, some of this is obviously going to be based on hype. And we did kind of release a preseason where we thought these, these people would be. And the top five that you mentioned, actually that's, that's one through five where they started their preseason rankings with Ezekiel Elliott being a number one. And, and just like last year, Ohio State did not need to run the football nearly as much against Virginia Tech. Uh, the way Virginia Tech uh, handles their defensive alignment and kind of they do a lot more run blitzing than they actually do blitzing and getting after the quarterback, even though they have, you know, Ken uh, Eminem and uh, Dottie, Nichol- Dottie Nicholas. You've got a couple of very good defensive prospects there at outside linebacker, but they're just as effective run blitzing. And because of that, you see Ohio State kind of u- utilize more of the spread run formation. A lot of uh, wide receivers or, or people actually going into motion and carrying the ball. Elliott only got 11 carries, but he did rip off one long run. Good for 122 yards and a touchdown. Nick Chubb, of, of course, just stepped up and had 1,500 yards when Georgia fans thought all was lost when Todd Gurley uh, unfortunately had the, had the knee problems, had the eligibility issues. Chubb just stepped up and May have been the most productive freshman we saw last year. Just stepped right in the start of this year uh, with a brand-new quarterback, and it's like he didn't miss a beat. 122 yards and two touchdowns there. Boykin, 300 and over 330 yards of offense. Offense overall was a little bit sluggish, but, you know, Boykin uh, did have the one interception. But other than that, played a, played a pretty good game. But Sean Watson, he is real the quarterback from Clemson, he's really my dark horse. I, I think if there's – Anyone from the traditional power schools like the Ohio States or the Oregons or Florida State, they seem to have a player that's up there every year. Someone from that second tier of, of teams kind of steps up. Watson is my pick, and, and, you know, he's just a sophomore as well, but big, big game, completed over 80% of his passes. Cody Kessler, I think just flew under the radar and had monster numbers for USC last year. But, again, there, there are a couple people that – uh Others that, that have to be mentioned, and Alex Collins, uh, another very interesting guy. I actually dropped him on my preseason list just a little bit. You're talking about him and Jonathan Williams, both having over 1,100 yards last year, forming the top two, or I'd say one-two punch uh, at the FBS level for Arkansas. Williams has been lost with an ankle injury for the season, so we were really kind of seeing would this really affect Alex Collins kind of getting more carries or being the man in Arkansas. Uh, if the first week is any indication, 12 carries, 127 yards. He also had a touchdown. He's a guy that would have to declare, but he looks like a first or second round talent as well. If he's able to keep up this kind of production, even though he doesn't have that uh, normal running mate with him, uh, Arkansas is a very, very dangerous team, especially if they're able to throw the ball like they did in their opener. Talking about Brandon Allen, guy who's the most experienced SEC quarterback at this time, had over 300 yards and four touchdowns himself. So, if Arkansas is able to show that type of diversity on offense, I think they're the Missouri this year, and they're, they're probably in the FTC title game and could possibly uh, 
actually end up winning the SEC and maybe even uh, getting into the, the Final Four. I, you know, they, we had them starting at number nine, and they are definitely worthy of a top ten uh, ranking at this point. DJ, let's just jump back to Cody Kessler for a second, because right now he's a uh, redshirt senior, and we have the first two rounds of the mock draft up there. And we have Christian Hackenberg, Cardell Jones, Gunnar Keel, Connor Cook in the first round. Given a guy you have so high in the potential Heisman race, how come we don't have him in the first two rounds of next year's mock draft? I think kind of what we talked about with Gunnar Keel uh, and being undersized, Cody Kessler is even smaller. You're talking about a guy that's going to measure out more than likely between 6'1 and 6'2. That press, that press out of Mississippi State is the same, uh, but, you know, he's got a little more meat on his bones. He's going to play around 230, 235, 240, where Kessler right now is about 205. That's what he's listed at. I would be surprised if he's even 200 pounds. Looking at him on film, if it's 200 pounds, there, he's drenched and he's wearing his pads. So I think really size is going to be a factor there. Now, again, we've seen... Undersized quarterbacks, you know, you think of the Drew, the Drew Breeses, the Russell Wilson. It's not an automatic death sentence, but for teams to go out and spend a first or second round pick, you've really, really got to convince them. You really, really have to kind of go over the top. Now, Kessler had amazing numbers last year. He's able to do it again. He's a guy that, you know, he could maybe sneak up into that second or third round territory, but I think it's something he's probably going to have to do more with his workouts, more with individual interviews and really sustain this for a full year by kind of putting him in right there. Teams don't look at him right now and think this is a, this is a first or second round pick. Five really works against him. Sometimes USC quarterbacks, there's a little bit of a knock being as more of a system guy. As many good quarterbacks have come from there, there's been a lot that have failed at the NFL level. Although uh, Kessler, I think, does a very good job at improvising. What I really like with him is the fact that he can look off his primary receiver and really does well with the second and third option, something we haven't always seen with USC quarterbacks. So I think he's a guy that the teams are going to pay attention to, but right now I don't think he's going to jump off the page the first or second round pick, and a lot of that will be due to his him being undersized right? when you look at people like Cardell Jones or even a Christian Ackenberg, much, much larger in stature and in weight. All right, DJ, let's do something fun real quick that we haven't done before. I just pulled up. Oh, I like I like fun things. Let's do this. <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll see how fun it is, but I think it's fun. <laughs> we, I just pulled up the, the top-ranked mock draft, 2016 NFL mock draft, in our system from our users, and that is Pat, Pat Tryout. But Pat Tryout is a top-ranked mock draft right now. Um, when... All users can go onto the site, create their own mock draft. Uh, we have the order, and you choose the players, move them around however you see fit. You can choose how many rounds you want to show. You can choose if you want to make it public or keep it private, and then you can share with all your friends and have them vote on you. Now, he has five stars. Five stars right now. No one else is uh, even that close. And in his mock draft, the top ten players – Top 10 picks go like this. Joey Bosa, Taylor Decker at number two, Ronnie Stanley at number three, Ezekiel Elliott at number four, Connor Cook at number five, Gunnar Keel at number six, Christian Hackenberg at number seven, Laramie Tunzel at number eight, Vidal Anderson at number nine, and Miles Jack at number 10. Tell me how you feel about this mock. First of all, we might be dealing with a Buckeye fan. We've got uh, three of the top four <laughs> Buckeyes. But you know, Taylor, Decker, Taylor Decker you know, is a guy that I think could sneak into the first round. I think he's one of the players that I think made a very good decision in school, being in school. We talked about some players like Laramie Tunzel, like Ronnie Stanley, who we thought would have been very high selections had they come out last year. But I think sometimes it's not only being just a high selection, but being the top selection – at your particular position, especially nowadays when you pay breakout for these positions, you, you are slotted. Gone are the days of Sam Bradford where you're the number one guy and you're getting a complete, completely ridiculous signing bonus. Again, it's, it's slotted. It's, and, you know, a Taylor Decker, 
no question he would have been drafted last year had he decided to come out. More than likely, he would have been a mid-second to early third-round pick. But right now, looking at him, he's probably going to be, I'd say, a mid-first to early second. The big thing here being he primarily played right tackle last year. We're going to see him at, at both tackle positions. They're going to move him around, really kind of showcase his versatility. You've got another very good lineman there in Pat Elfine, the uh, offensive guard that could be the, the top guard in this draft as well. So, you know, the rich get richer, as we always say. And Ohio State is just loaded with talent. So I, I think that versatility, that's something we see more and more of. Uh, a player like uh, Cameron Irving, who last year at Florida State, he was a tackle. Maybe puts a, little, puts a little bit in a lot of eyes, and just because of some need and kind of helping his draft position as well, we saw him actually start at guard and even center. But he's a guy that well, we're seeing this more and more, where versatility along that for an offensive lineman, not only do you want to dominate to just show that you're a first-round talent, but the fact that you can show that versatility and teams can, can think, okay, this is a, a player that we really want on our team. We have about two or three places. Maybe we can plug him in. We don't have to think he goes to X position. So because of that, I think players like Taylor Decker are, are going to go a little higher. It's a possibility. I, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. But a lot of those players that were mentioned are, are definite top ten selections. But again, being this early, many of them, like if on our site, we are projecting underclassmen actually declaring and making themselves draft eligible. So there will be some changes because there will be some players who step up, have amazing years, or maybe come out a little earlier than a lot of us expect. Sometimes uh, things don't shake out or some of these players come back. So we're not sure even all of those players are going to be draft eligible. But uh, if most, many of them declare, you know, even though maybe he's a little bit of a homer, maybe like the Big Ten as well, because we hear Connor Cook and two other quarterbacks on that list. But for the most part, uh, from a talent standpoint, a lot of top ten players that he had listed there are definitely top ten talent. Yeah, and, you know, we, could, we might look like a homer right now having uh, Joey Bosa number one and Zeke, Zeke Elliott number one in the Heisman rank, but... For the fans out there, I am a Michigan fan. I hate Ohio State. And if this tells you anything, we are not biased. <laughs> I used and to I didn't biased. rank my, I didn't, I, and I didn't rank my team, uh, North Carolina Tar Heels, who year in and year out, they, we see so many players get drafted. Uh, they, they should do a little more, but again, lose their opener, lose against South Carolina. So you're talking about, uh, you know, I, I take it with a grain of salt as well. Definitely not a homer. But Ohio State, they just got so much talent. It's, it's a little bit ridiculous right now, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. See, as a Michigan fan, I hope they go undefeated uh, uh, until the last game of the season when we play them, and then we can <laughs> win their season. But oh, draft, I lost things all the more. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's let's talk uh, NFL real quick. Um, you've seen preseason's over. Season's about to start. We have our mock draft up with uh, rankings of how the teams would unfold if the draft were tomorrow. How do we feel about that? Because we might make another update tonight. How would you rank the teams from the bottom to the worst? We don't have to do them all. Let's let's talk about who we think are in the bottom five of teams after this preseason going into the year, who will be the top five in the draft. And now let's talk about the top teams who will be the bottom in the draft that we think will have the most success. So let's start with the bottom first. DJ, who are your bottom five teams in the NFL based on the bottom feeders? I think you have to start right off the bat with the Washington Redskins. And, yes, I'll use Redskins and that politically correct mumbo-jumbo. They're they're still the Redskins. This is a team that – it's just amazing. The amount of coaches, the amount of front office personnel – uh, changes that have, that have just undergone uh, under the Dan Snyder regime, and especially within the last 10 years, just a team that just does not seem, no matter what they do, they're just not going in the right direction. It, it just seems like they, they invent new ways year in and year out to get to a new level of ineptitude. I guess that's the nicest way to say it. With all the talk surrounding RG3, Robert Griffin III, and we made so much about will he be back? What, what are they going to do with his contract? It was a year where 
there was an option that they had to pick up, and he got he's getting a lot of money this year. And we talked about if they're going to cut him, doing it before, I believe it was uh, April the first last year, or, or the, the end of March, early April timeframe. It would have been before the draft. The Redskins could have saved a ton of money. Now, so they, you know, they bring him back. It looks like yes, they're, they're committed. Kind of bumped heads with head coach Jay Gruden last year, and you know now we got the, the issues with the concussion. Now there's there's absolutely no confidence in him. It just seems like the absolute worst time. It they had so much time to think about this, and I don't know if they're just now realizing that this, this is not the guy they want to lead their franchise, or if maybe the, the concussions and some of the health problems are, are just scaring them. But it, it just seems like this should have been settled long ago. But there's just absolutely no confidence in what's going on with, with the coaching staff and the front office. This is a team that's in total disarray. Uh, so I would definitely have to put the Redskins numero uno as far as uh, growing pains go. Number two, I'm going to have to say the Chicago Bears. And this is a team that can be competitive. We've seen that offense move the ball. There's a, there's a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. But, again, a lot of controversy. What's going on at the quarterback position? Jay Cutler, another a quarterback that's been, I'd say, in and out of the headlines for all the wrong reasons in Chicago. Again, a guy with all the talent in the world, but you know, just questionable decision-making and just thinks he can throw any type of pass possible and fit any pass into maybe the smallest window available. And it, Unfortunately, it doesn't turn out very well for Jay Cutler or the Bears. And we're talking about the team that surrendered the most amount of points on defense two years in a row. They've had their not only worst in the NFL, but worst in franchise history. And we're talking about a Bears team that's been around forever, and, and they've given up more points in the last two years than at any other time uh, in their franchise history. So, again, a team that's absolutely going in the wrong direction. Uh, oh, putting me on the spot here as far as maybe number three, another team that I think could be going in the wrong direction. I'm just, I'm just not a big fan of the Bengals. Again, and this is, this is going back to the quarterback position. We've seen Andy Dalton do some good things in the regular season, but when it comes to playoff time, this is a team that's just kind of soaking. They're not getting it done. Last year, there were a lot of, a lot of injuries, unfortunately, at a really bad time. And, you know, it didn't work out for the Bengals in the postseason again, but it's just the same old story year in and year out. And I just think it's at a point now where I, I kind of thought it would crumble last year. They, they kind of uh, opened some eyes. They surprised me a little bit. They were able to get a, play a little bit better on defense, a, a little better than I thought, and, you know, got to the postseason once again. But uh, maybe we were just a year too soon. I think this is the year that it kind of all unravels in Cincinnati. Marvin Lewis probably a sent packing. You're talking about the second most, I think, believe he's second in tenure now in the NFL. He's been with the, the Bengals for a long time. Uh, but unfortunately, I think that could be coming to an end. Uh, some other teams, not really. Uh, uh, I see a lot of those bottom teams improving a little bit, but maybe it's not quite. Uh, maybe a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars. I do like what we've seen out of Blake Bortles. Um, you know, it didn't have the greatest year, but I, I think that there were there were signs that, that things were going to get a little better. Had a pretty good preseason. Been a little discouraged about what we saw out of T.J. Yeldon, him running the football in the preseason. Did not look good at all. But he does get Allen Robinson back. He was a player that I think is the only one that could have held a candle to Odell Beckham last year, passing the football. He was actually leading – uh, NFL rookies in receptions and yards when he went down to an injury and was lost. I believe it was week six or week seven last year. Start the start the second round pick out of Penn State. Again, I think the Jaguars are actually headed in the right direction. I just don't. I just don't think this year is the year. Right? And you, you know, you get the third pick overall. Boom, Dante Fowler lost. Uh, I believe he spent 20 minutes in a Jacksonville uniform before he went down to an ACL tear in a non-contact. Uh, drill just kind of went down in a heap. I think the Raiders, I would put it to 15. Again, they've been in so much disarray. I think the Raiders are starting to get it right. I do like what I'm seeing there. I think Jack Del Rio is a very good hire. I think he's going to do good things in Oakland. 
I still think they're a year or two away. The, the good thing for Oakland, however, is I think a lot of the teams in that division, maybe San Diego, maybe Denver, I think are kind of coming down where Oakland is going to be on the rise. And I think by next year, that's a team that could be possibly even challenging for a playoff spot. I like what I see there. I like the nucleus, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack, you're talking about a great linebacker duo. Amari Cooper's looked fantastic catching the football. If they're able to get better play out of their offensive line and a consistent running game, that maybe this is a team, this could be a team that only wins five or six games this year, but they're that team that's in almost every game and losing by maybe seven to ten points. And they're competitive almost every week. And you look at them and go, that's a team that's about a year or two away. But not only a year or two away from being competitive, but being really, really good. And if I'm an Oakland fan, I really think I am excited. I think they are maybe two to three years away from being a very, very good team. But I don't think the wins come this year, but there's a lot of promising signs. I think they'll be very competitive and a team that it's not going to be an easy win for teams anymore. Right. Jack, I echo a lot of your sentiments. I think when it comes to the NFL, any team really could be good because you're, you have a roster of the best, you know, the absolute top college players coming out every year and filling these teams out. But I do echo your sentiments in the teams that I think are going to be at the bottom. I think there's two tiers. There's the teams that are still growing, and I think you talked about that with Jacksonville and Oakland. And then there's the teams that are imploding. (laughs) And you talked about that with Chicago and uh, Washington. Um, I disagree with Cincinnati. I, I, I do think that... I think that their biggest challenge is that they're in a tough division as usual. I think their defense is still very strong. Their defensive line is still improving. I think their offensive line is strong. They have young, young blood back there and their running backs. Um, good wide receivers. I think Tyler Eifert's back. I like, I like that team. The teams that I think are really going to be at the bottom. I mean, first of all, the AFC East. <laughs> the best thing about the AFC East is that they're going to be playing each other. Forget the Patriots for a second, um, because usually after after a tumultuous offseason, they might go, you know, they might go undefeated again, or they might lose all the games. Either way, I think Buffalo, Miami, and the Jets are going to struggle. And I think every year we see the teams that do not have an established quarterback end up at the top of the draft. And you see that with Buffalo, and you see that with the New York Jets. And whether that's top five or top ten, it's probably going to happen. And I think Miami, I've just never really, I've never really been a, a fan of their coaching staff or even Ryan Tannehill. I know, you know, people love him. Um, but there were questions about him last year, and there's always been questions about him. And I think if he doesn't, if he doesn't transcend what people expect, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of pressure to, uh, you know, potentially turn that roster over a little bit. So, I don't know. Miami is always a team that, you know, makes a big splash in free agency, uh, but doesn't really put it together. And they did the same thing with Nam Nikinsu this year. So Buffalo, Miami, and the Jets, you know, I would put any, any one of those in the, um, in the bottom, maybe five or ten. And then on the other side of Manhattan, or even though they play in New Jersey, is the New York Giants. Uh, we've talked about the NFC East before. I mean, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of, tumultuousness there, too. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is not coming back. Eli Manning's in contract swabble right now. So, I don't know. Every year, Tom Coughlin's on the hot seat, and they keep giving him another shot, and they start off slow, even when they win championships. And I think they kind of just said, all right, well, we'll let him get through it. They gave him another season, but, you know, if they start off slow, I don't think he's going to make it past five games. Um and the Eagles, you're going to hate this, but I, I'm just uh, – I don't think they're going to be bad, but I think there's a chance that they really could implode. I, I think they got rid of a lot of guys in the offseason. There's, there's a lot of turnover, and if Sam Bradford gets hurt again or DeMarco Murray gets hurt again, which is very likely to happen, um, I, I just think it, it's possible, you know, they could implode. And you see that often where there, a new coach comes in, he fires up the team. Um, who was it a couple of years ago in Tampa Bay? Uh, he was the assistant. He came in and everyone loved him. You know, he was a players coach, whatever. 
and new system. And then the next year, he was awful. And the the Eagles, I I, I just see there's there's a chance. And I'm not saying I'm putting them in the bottom five, but I just it wouldn't surprise me if they end up in the bottom just because of all the changes and because of you know the fact that Chip Kelly thinks he figured it out, but you know people might have figured him out, and maybe the players aren't buying into him as much. Uh, we've seen a lot of players complain about him who have been let go from that team, uh, especially you know it's become a racial issue too. So you don't know how you know how things are going to unfold there. That's my opinion on the uh, bottom five slash ten over there. And, and uh, as far as Miami, I, I kind of agree there. But unfortunately, as you said, I, I don't see three teams. I think Miami, if they play in another division, they're probably in my bottom five when it comes to record. But I think they probably get three out of four wins coming playing Buffalo and the Jets. I think they're the, the, the best of those three teams. I think because of that, Miami probably goes nine and seven or eight and eight. They're, they get around a wild card and, you know, they, they kind of lose it. Last year, they should have had the wild card. They kind of blew up at the very end of the season. As good as Tannehill's numbers were, and he was actually the third highest rated quarterback in the fourth quarter and beyond. A lot of people don't realize that. But again, but again, he doesn't just, he doesn't wow you. you, you he's taken a step forward every year, but it's kind of a baby step process. And as far as Philadelphia, there may not be a team that if they go five and eleven or eleven and five, either way, I don't think it's very surprising. I think they take hey. a step back on offense and on defense. But on defense, I think they move forward. I think if their defensive line really gets consistent pressure on the quarterback, it kind of masks those inefficiencies they still have in the secondary. Fletcher Cox, I think, is one of the best defensive ends in the league, and Benny Logan has quietly turned into one of the best defensive tackles. And I think if the Eagles get that consistent pressure with the front seven and with the, with the remaking they've done with the linebackers, I think they have a very, very good season. If they don't, I think it's a very long season. And this is a team that could go maybe 3-13. and 13. I, I just think that everyone's looking at that offense, and I don't think that's where the story lies. I really think it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. The, the Eagles are going to get their yards. They're going to get their points. But if they can get to the quarterback and get that, get that defense off the field and get the offense on the field a little more, I think they have a great season. I think it really comes down to the front seven for Philadelphia. I think you said it best. Anything wouldn't be a shock with that team. So uh, looking at the middle teams, though, and we won't spend too much time on it. I think, you know, when you look at the divisions, I mean, it's a lot of the same. I think the NFC West is, um, you know, San Francisco is a team that, that really – has taken a step back, and just in terms of coaching, too. You know, when you lose that caliber of a coach and you're starting over, you know, there's a good chance playing the Seahawks, playing the Rams, who are vastly improved, potentially, uh, and then pay, playing the Arizona Cardinals, who get Carson Palmer back. I mean, San Francisco easily could be, you know, in that bottom five. I think in the NFC North, you know, that's another tough division. Unfortunately, Minnesota's that team that, in another division, they could potentially be fighting for the top. But in that division, they're, you know, they're young. They might struggle. So they might, you know, they'll have the type of eight and eight season. And then you go to the NFC South and the Falcons could bounce back again. They should bounce back again. Uh, New Orleans, you never know with New Orleans. I mean, they, they really lost a lot. They have good, they have a good foundation, but, um, have they really improved that much going into this year? And then um, Tampa Bay is another team that, you know, obviously we just we got to see how the year goes. They have a lot of pieces, but they're starting a rookie quarterback. And then Carolina. Um, Carolina, there were a lot of questions throughout the year, especially I think it was in the beginning of the season. There were a lot of questions, and then they finished up strong. Um, but, you know, if they start off slow, that's, that's, that's another question mark, and that, that could be a team that, you know, uh, fall apart as well. So that's, those are, those are my middle teams. Uh, Tennessee is right behind them a little bit. Um, not necessarily because they haven't made improvements or that they're not improving, but they have to play the Colts twice a year. Houston's defense, um, Houston's another team that's starting Brian Hoyer at quarterback. He could be great, but he'd probably be, you know, mediocre. So uh, we'll see. Is he just a game manager, or can he elevate them to a few extra games? So those are my middle teams. Uh, I don't know if you agree with all that, DJ. 
A lot of that I, I do agree with. I think Minnesota could be a team that surprises a lot of people. Uh, I don't think the Packers are going to take as much of a step back as people think, especially the Jordy Nelson injury. I just think that makes Devontae Adams. I think he may be the biggest sleeper in that fantasy draft out there. I think you really look at what he did down the stretch. He was a very good – he really kind of became a number two option. It was really more like one and 1A with Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson. And Devontae Adams really looking like – that was probably a number three in a lot of places. But you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers. He's going to put up number two type numbers. And Adams, I think, is good for a breakout year, possibly even 1,200 yards, maybe double-digit touchdowns. He's one guy that I think is going to be rock solid. New Orleans is just a team that I think if you look at their starters, I think they're, they're as solid as they come, but depth is just a huge concern there. If you know the injury bug gets to New Orleans, this is a team that could be in the bottom five in a hurry. I just don't see the depth on New Orleans any longer. Uh, a lot of young players who have yet to kind of prove themselves but Brandon Cook's another guy who I think could have a big year, and uh, I think losing Jimmy Graham there, that really does help Seattle, and it kind of really puts that uh, New Orleans passing attack in a bind because you've, you've got, you know, Kenny Stills is gone. You, you've lost Jimmy Graham. Marcus Colston is getting older, and we've seen him lose a step, and he's not the fastest guy there was anyway. So you got you got to really wonder if New Orleans is going to become more of a power running team and how C.J. Spiller fits in there. That's kind of more of a two-back attack with Spiller and Ingram, and maybe this team is kind of changing its offensive identity. And as far as teams that I think could really rise up and have good years, I really like the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that's the team that wins the West this year. I I think that we're we're going to start to see a decline with Peyton Manning. I think that defense, they there's been enough pinks in the armor there per se that the Chiefs not only win that division, but they they may do it rather comfortably. That that is a team that. Uh, I, I think with the, the addition of Jerry Macklin, I think Travis Kelsey, uh, you, you've got a couple guys there that are are going to are poised to have really big seasons, and you know a, a wide receiver should catch a touchdown this year. You've got one of the best backs in Jamal Charles, a very good defense, uh, a team that can get after the quarterback. I don't know if they make the necessarily deep run in the playoffs, but I think they win that West kind of handedly this year. And really the Cardinals, I think that that's a team that a lot of people forget. They were 9-1 and one at one point and that had the best record in the NFL. So I think if you keep Carson Palmer upright, and that's really the problem, that offensive line, they've really not improved there. And they draft a player like D.J. Humphreys. I thought that could have been the worst first-round pick there was. They're really trying to <laughs> – that's a square peg round hole. It's just not going to work. I, I would say right now, of all the first-round picks, who's going to struggle the most? I think there's going to be so much pressure on D.J. Humphreys to not only perform, but perform right away. And, and I don't see that going well. But if they're able to get some protection and, and some of the other players uh, step up, talk about some sleepers. John Brown, that, that's just a fantastic pick that really worked out for them. A uh, great pick out of uh, Pittsburgh State last year, who I think is – he, he's a big play. He, he's the new Deshaun Jackson. He's a guy that just looks like 50-yard touchdowns are just nothing to this guy. He just absolutely flies. They're using him more on the underneath and crossing patterns. And, and I think you're going to see John Brown kind of take the place of that Larry Fitzgerald and, and possibly maybe even Michael Floyd and become, uh, by next year, probably the number one target in Arizona. And I think he's going to be a, a, a household name by, by the end of this season. I think it, a guy, again, from tiny Pittsburgh State. You never know what you're going to get from these small schools. But I think those are some of the teams that are going to be near the top and the Patriots. I think even if the Flake Gate happened and we had Tom Brady sit four games, there's just too much There's there's too much talent there. Bill Belichick finds a way to get it done. Even after losing Darrell Revis and Brandon Browner, there's some questions in the secondary. Other than that, I, I think this is a team that's going to expel uh, you probably use the running game a little more than, than what we've seen in the past, but they're, they're going to do it with uh, two or three running backs and really keep everybody fresh. And, and the Patriots, again, they play in that easy division. They should, they should win the East quite handedly once again. Yeah, I, I think the Patriots, uh, they, they'll come out angry this year, as we saw the year after Spygate. Uh, they'll come out angry. They have a lot to prove. They, have a lot, they want to prove that, hey, you know, they might still cut corners, but they want to prove, hey, we're going to whoop your butt 
no matter what you find on us. And, you know, they're going to it'll be the same type of thing, you know, where they run up the score. They'll put two-point conversions even if it's 52 to nothing. Um, so I think it could be that kind of year for the Patriots. But, you know what? I, I'm done doubting the Patriots because last year I thought their roster was the worst that they've had this past decade, and they won the championship. So that's tough to say. I'm, um, my team, I, you know, I, Seattle, it's, it's impossible to not think they're going to have a good season again. They really didn't lose much. Uh, they're just strong all over. They gained Jimmy Graham and some other guys. Uh, you know, it's hard not to think that they're – They'll be uh, one of the top teams. And, and uh, Green Bay, for me, Green Bay is that team. Uh, Green Bay is my sleeper. I don't know if you call them a sleeper. They're the team that I think could win the championship, and it's not because of Aaron Rodgers. You talked about Devontae Adams. But I actually love their defense. I, I love their defensive line. They've drafted a lot of guys who, you know, I, I think are starting to really meld together and um, – I know, they draft a lot of linebackers, and their secondary, I think, will be could be the best secondary in the league this year. And you know, a lot of guys that they who have been young um, are starting to mature. You look at their safeties: Morgan Burnett, Ha Ha Clinton Dix, obviously had a great season. And then at corner, you got Casey Hayward, uh, Sam Shields again. Um, so I, I just I like them. I uh, Green Bay is the type of team I, I look at teams when it comes to championships. Who has consistency over the year to year? And they have a lot of that consistency and a lot of that comfort built. I think Jordy Nelson, you know, I don't care who they lose. Aaron Rodgers is the type of quarterback who will make any wide receiver look good. He's, you know, he's like Andrew Luck in that manner. Uh, I'd say Tom Brady, but Tom Brady doesn't necessarily make people have, you know, 1,500-yard seasons, but he makes players look good. But, you know, you put any wide receiver with, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, and they're going to do well. So I don't, I don't see that as, as big of a loss. So uh, those, I'd say those are my teams. If I had to make a prediction, I, I would say it would be the losers of the, cha- the championship games last year. I, I agree with Green Bay, but really to me, the, the team overall with some semblance of a running game, it's Andrew Luck, it's the Colts. I think this is the year he really, really steps up. He gets on that same plane as maybe an Aaron Rodgers, another quarterback that just does everything right. He's, you know, he's undergone a, a couple of growing pains. There's a couple of, of, of bad games, but for the most part, he just makes everyone around him that much better. Uh, Dante Moncrief was a guy who came on toward the end of last year. I think eventually plants Andre Johnson as that number two wide receiver. He's got a guy like Andre Johnson really brings that veteran presence. Uh, to, I think that was something that was missing from the Colts last year. And you know, a defense that isn't as bad as what people kind of made it out to be, but but again, there's some issues in the secondary. Uh, as long yeah. as they're able to get some consistent pressure on the quarterback, you bring in a guy like Trent Cole, another guy who it just seems like, you know, Frank Gore, you've got some more kind of veteran leadership there kind of teaching those young guys. And you've already got T.Y. Hilton. Is one of the, the better wide receivers, young wide receivers in this league. And, and I think we're just going to see a, a real, real heavy dose of Dwayne Allen and Kobe Fleener. It could be the best one-two tight end combo in the league. I think really the Colts, if, if I were to go out right now and say who, who's the team that's going to unseat the Patriots, I, I'm going to say the Colts, even though there, there's, there's still some questions in the secondary and that consistent running game. Andrew Luck is just too good. I think he finds a way to get it done. Yeah, see, I thought about them too, but I, I really don't like their defense. I know, you know, you mentioned a few pieces like Trent Cole, but I just, I don't see their defense really holding up. I don't, I don't think they improved enough on the, on the D line. Um, I think they'll get run all over the place. I don't think they'll get enough pressure on, on the quarterback. I mean, Trent Cole is good, but he's been in the league for 11 years and, you know, it's a different, it's a different defense. So I think their linebackers are, are pretty good, but their secondary, Really, just needs a lot of work. I don't know. I don't love their safeties. I don't love their corners. I just look. There are some transcendent offenses that can compensate for the defense, and I think this is one of them. But I think in order to be the top team or championship team, and I might be eating my words, I think you need a slightly better defense 
uh, you know, than, than one that just needs to be compensated for. So one that I think is a little above average. And I, I think this, this defense is actually below average. So I'd be very, uh, I'd be very impressed, especially with how much they're going to be on the field with Andrew Luck, you know, throwing the ball and getting defense on the field. I, I, I think you're going to see um, a lot of teams score a lot on them. But fortunately, Indianapolis will outscore them. That's my mind. Yeah, I think they're going to have to slow it down and run the football. But when I look at the, the team that won it all last year, right now I think who's the better quarterback, Tom Brady or Andrew Luck? I think it's Andrew Luck. Uh, when I think of just who's got the better, as far as a defense, look at the Patriots defense from last year and the Colts defense right now. Uh, I would say the Patriots, just because of the corners that they had, but now they don't have those corners in place, I've, I've got to give the edge to Indianapolis. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just riding Andrew Luck. I'm riding him hard. I think that he's he's going to be the MVP this year, and I think he is the, the person that leads Indianapolis to the promised land. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, trust me. I was uh, drafting him in my fantasy leagues. But I, I do think that's a great choice for the MVP, and I think especially because – as I said, you know, I don't think the defense is going to be that good. So it's going to make his numbers look even better that he's, he's going to be leading this team to a lot of wins. So I'm with you there. Um, you know, I just I don't I don't see them as necessarily Super Bowl guys just because of their defense. But I think you know they'll definitely have a good season, top five, top ten overall. And I, I think Pittsburgh could uh, could really bounce back a little bit. I, I really I. This is a team whose defense I do like a lot. Um, you know, I, I know they lost Dick LeBeau, but I just think they've been kind of building the pieces, building young pieces, getting younger, getting ready old. And they finally have um, a really kind of stable line and, and um, you know, front seven, I guess, back there. So, And their secondary, actually. Exactly. There's the key. I think they have improved their secondary even with a lot of those smaller players, that's a player like Sinquez Golson, uh, bringing a Brandon Boykin, some guys who are kind of like these nickel backs that I, I think are, are going to thrive in Pittsburgh. And I, if someone steps up and really takes the, the place of Troy and Paul Amalo on defense, I think that's a team that is going to be, be quite good. And I really think the Browns are, are, are going to have a pretty good season. When you look, they were very competitive, surprised a lot of people early on. There's some stable quarterback play, but the big thing there was absolutely dead last against the run. They couldn't stop anyone. They get Danny Shelton again, 12th overall, not the greatest, you know, pick that everyone's going to, wow, this is the guy that's going to turn it around. He just has the look and has just played like a true stud defensive tackle, nose tackle type from day one. I can't, he may have the biggest impact of any first round player in this draft, just because of the fact that they couldn't stop anyone running the football. There's some pieces around there on defense that, that I think if they, they get that one guy in the middle and they got it with Danny Shelton, I, I think that's worth a win or two. I think Cleveland really becomes a, a team that opens a lot of eyes, and I, I think they're a 500 football team this year. Well, I, I happen to do love their defensive line with the Danny Shelton. I love Billy Wynn, John Hughes. I think uh, as long as you're not featuring him, it's good. I think they have a, a couple other good pieces. Um, their linebacker core, eh. Should be okay. Uh, their secondary, their cornerbacks will be good, and, and I think their safeties will be somewhat strong as well. I, I just, I just don't see it from them on the offensive side, though. I, I just, they've taken so many steps back, and I, I just don't, I don't think their defense is that. At, you know, I was talking about Indianapolis having a, an offense that overcompensates for defense. I don't think if their defense is even that good, I don't think it's a defense that could overcompensate for their offense. And I think their offense might be horrible. But you know, Zach Ronda. <laughs> I'm going to disagree there. I think this is a top ten defense overall. I, I think they're 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 going to open a lot of eyes. And I, I think this is uh, not going to say this is a year, but there there's going to be some promise there in Cleveland. They're they're not ready to make that next step yet, but it's another team on the upswing. I, I think this is a top ten defense. All right, everyone. Well, you heard where DJ and I disagree, where we agree, and that's what makes this great. Uh, can't wait for this season to start tomorrow. It's going to be very exciting. We're going to go back with our team and, and talk about, um, you know, preseason rankings and try to get another mock draft out. 
Uh, good news is you're going to be able to see all the mock drafts going forward after today. So every time we save mock draft, you're going to be able to see historic mock drafts. So you uh, you can see us at the end of the season, and you can see where we left off, where we started at the beginning of the season, who we had number one, who we had number ten, who we had your Cincinnati Bengals picking, all that fun stuff. A lot of other improvements are going to be coming throughout the season, and we're excited. We're going to keep this going. Next week we'll try to get Zach or maybe some other guests on. But who's ever joined Thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming with us for another season. Uh, please reach out to us with anything you want to hear, any questions you have, any comments, anything you want to see on the site, anything you love, anything you hate. The more we can talk to you, the better we can make this experience. So thank you again, everyone, for coming out. And, DJ, you the man. Thanks again. Thank you, guys. See you week two.